Well, greetings. I hope you're doing well this evening. I just wanted to take a few moments and talk about Elijah again. Uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 17, a short little section about verse 7 to verse 16. Again, this is about Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. So let me go ahead and read in 1 Kings 17. This is verse 7, and this is what it says. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And remember, Elijah, has be, right before this, was fed by ravens, right? And, and then he was drinking from the brook, and the brook has now dried up. Verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. Where he came to the town, when he came to the town gate, a widow there, there was a widow there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. Verse 12 As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make me a small cake of bread. Make a small cake of bread for me for what you have from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So remember, this is right after Elijah appears on the scene, and then he goes to the brook, right? And he's fed by ravens. The brook dries up, and now he has gone to a widow of all places. Now, you have to remember, a widow in these times would be at the very bottom, financially speaking. They would not have hardly anything at all. You see how God's using very unusual things, ravens to feed the prophet. And now he goes to a widow. Not only does he go to a widow, you have to realize where he went. Where was the widow? And this is what it says to Zarephath of Sidon. And I'm not expecting you to know that. That's basically Phoenicia. And guess what that meant during this time? Who is from Phoenicia? which was the heart of Baalism, Jezebel. So God was sending the prophet into the heart of the land of Baal, where Jezebel was from. And so you see this picture being drawn from the very beginning when Ahab and Jezebel come on the scene. And you have this increase because of Jezebel, this increase of the worship of Baal. Immediately, Elijah comes on the scene, gives a very short word, basically says, there's not going to be any rain except at my word. And then he disappears. 
He disappears, goes out into the wilderness to the brook, is fed by ravens. And then now, now in the verses we're reading, that's come to an end. The brook is dried up because there hasn't been any rain. And God sends him to a widow and not just a widow, not any widow, a widow in Phoenicia where Jezebel is from, the heart of Baalism. That's where God is sending his prophet. God is very specific in how he does things. And you may remember the words of Jesus, and I'll just read it real quick. In Luke chapter 4, he actually references this. Luke chapter 4, it's about verse 24, verse 24, 25. Verse 25 says this, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's, Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And of course, that made the people of Israel very angry when Jesus referenced this, talking about the time of Elijah and Elisha. And it really was God removing his favor from his people because of their idolatry, their wickedness, their rebellion, and their worship of Baal. He was removing his favor. And where does Elijah go? To the heart of Baalism and to a widow who has practically nothing. I mean, she tells him, I don't have anything. God is telling Elijah, go, I've commanded a widow to feed you. He shows up at the gate. He finds the widow and she basically says, after he asks for something to drink, you know, I don't have anything. I'm about to eat my last meal. And you're asking me for food? So this is to the person God sends Elijah to because he's about to supernaturally provide for this widow, right? He's going to provide because he tells her after he asks for the food, <laughs> don't be afraid. Go home. First, first, see, it requires faith. First, make me a cake of bread. And then you can make yourself something. It, it almost sounds a little bit like arrogance, but really what he's doing is he's testing her. It requires her to have faith. Remember, she's a Phoenician. Now, she recognizes him as a prophet because she says, the Lord, you're God. But it requires her to have faith, and she obeys. She does exactly what he says. And what ends up happening is you see this continuous miracle of provision where there was almost nothing. She was on her last meal. Then she obeys. She has faith. She obeys what Elijah says, obeys the prophet, fixes in something to eat. And then lo and behold, the miracle shows up of a continuous provision, continuous provision. And it actually reminds me of an Exodus, Exodus 16. We remember the manna from heaven. This is really what it says. This is verse 4 of Exodus 16. I will rain bread from heaven for you. So the people were to go out every day and get a day's portion of food. No more than that. It was just for that day. And that was a continuous, reoccurring 
miracle, manna from heaven. This is the same kind of thing with the widow. It's a continuous miracle until God is going to send rain. Continually, she goes to the cabinet to get the food. Every day there's going to be food and oil and provision there. So God is establishing his prophet through these miracles. And he's sending Elijah to the heart of Baal. The heart of Baalism. To Phoenicia. And you notice that the widow is actually the exact opposite of Jezebel. Jezebel being a queen, right? And the queen of Baalism for sure. But Elijah goes to a widow who has basically nothing. And she is given the miracle of provision. You see, God is working things out from the very beginning. A lot of times we're disheartened when we see wickedness in our world, wickedness in the high places like you have in 1 Kings with Ahab and Jezebel. Very wicked people who incited people to worship idols did many wicked things. But yet God knew. God had it under control because as soon as they show up on the scene, so does Elijah. He appears out of nowhere and basically gives a one, two-sentence sermon. There is no introduction to Elijah. You know, you don't have someone standing at the the microphone giving this long, eloquent speech introducing Elijah. There's no introduction. He just appears and tells Ahab, hey, there's not going to be any rain except at my word. And then he disappears. He doesn't see Ahab for, you know, about three and a half years. And you have this drought that comes on the land. See what God's doing. You have this increase of wickedness and worship of idols and worship of Baal. And immediately God's prophet shows up, gives a one sentence sermon and then disappears And you have this judgment falling on the land of Israel, this drought where there's no rain for three and a half years. See, there's this war between who's going to be God, Jehovah or Baal? Who are you going to serve, Jehovah or Baal? Now, it's important to realize (laughs) a little of the history, and I'm not going to go deep into that, but just briefly about who Baal was. He was considered a storm god. In other words, people believed that he brought rain. (laughs) You see the irony? They believed that Baal brought rain, you know, for agriculture and for the crops. And what does Elijah pray for? He prays for a drought and it comes. So as the increase of the worship of Baal, God sends his prophet. He prays that there will be no rain and there's a drought. You see, there's this warring where the people of God have to choose. There's this conflict. Who is going to be the God of Israel? Is it going to be Baal or is it going to be Jehovah? You have this conflict. See, we can be encouraged when we see things in our times and in our world, especially in high places like you have with Ahab and Jezebel of wickedness, of idol worship. When you see those things, remember the story 
Remember this story. God has it in his hands. He knows what to do. The prophet shows up and you have this conflict that goes on for years. <laughs> it goes on for years. And it comes to a climax in the next chapter, in chapter 18. All these things are leading up to the conflict in chapter 18. But God held it in his hands. He knew what to do. And unfortunately, he brought a drought on his own people. And then he sends his prophet to a foreign land where they worship Baal and works his miracles there. See, when Jesus brings this up in Luke 4, they got really, really angry with him because they understood the point of what he was saying. He was saying, Elijah and Elisha, they didn't come to Israel. Were there not widows in Israel in their time of the drought? Those who had practically nothing, they didn't go there. See, as God's people, we get to choose who we're going to serve. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve the idol of self or whatever it may be because our, our, our world has many idols, self being the biggest. See, we get to choose. So when this increase in wickedness happened, God sends the prophet and you have this conflict, right? Just like in our world today, you have this big conflict back and forth. But God knows what he's doing and he will bring it to fruition. And there will come a tipping point in the, in the conflict, just like in chapter 18, where things literally shift and move. But we can be encouraged by this story because God's showing us even when there's an increase in wickedness, he still holds his people in his hands. Even if there's a famine or there's a drought, which can be his judgment, he still holds his people in his and he still will bring holds his people in his hands and he will bring about restoration. But we, we have to be willing to come back to him. We have to be willing to come back to him. Sometimes leaders, Ahab, sometimes leaders lead us in the opposite direction. His marriage to Jezebel was a disaster. It was a terrible decision. And it increased the wickedness and the darkness in the land. But God sent his prophet and he forced his people to choose. He said, you got to choose. You can't have it both ways. You can't practice idolatry and serve me. Nothing has changed since this story. God still expects that. We still have to choose either God or Baal, God or self, God or idols. God or money, God or status. We still get to choose. And I'm telling you, as a people, as a nation, God's given us that choice. He is stirring things up and he's given that choice. There's extraordinary wickedness in our land today. But God knows. God's got it under control. And he is bringing us to a place bringing God's people to a place saying, you have to choose. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot have the wickedness of Jezebel and in the same breath worship God Almighty. You cannot do that. And God brings us to a place like 1 Kings 18 where we have 
to choose, where we have to choose. So in looking at all of this, we see many principles, many principles. One of the principles is the continuous miracle, the daily miracle of God's provision. You don't know. And one of the things about that continuous miracle, that daily provision, is that requires us to depend upon God. Often God does not, does not send this huge amount of provision. He does that sometimes. And in my experience, usually when he does that, that extra provision that he's provided is for something specific. It's not for us to waste. It's for something specific. But most of the time, and in the Bible, you see this. You see this daily provision, depending upon God daily, in that daily provision. The story of Elijah is about idol worship. It is about God's warring with Israel's idols. Elijah hated Baal. Hated Baal. Because he was righteous. That's why he prayed for a drought. Remember, Baal is supposed to be a storm god that brings rain. Instead of rain, they got a drought. So you have this conflict where God's saying, you got to choose. Is it going to be me? Or is it going to be sin? Is it going to be me? Is there going to be idols? Is it going to be me? Or are you going to do that on your own? And he sends forth people to tell us, to encourage us. We have to choose. We can't have it both ways. We can't have it both ways. If we're going to be called by the name of Christ, there's going to be there's going to be some sufferings. There's going to be some Elijah moments probably on our life. Maybe we're being fed by ravens. Provision shows up in the strangest ways. And that's awesome because we, we can't take credit for it. You can't take credit for ravens feeding you. <laughs> you can't take credit for a widow feeding you who, who, shouldn't, who shouldn't even have the provision to begin with. So you can't take credit for that. You have to give God credit. And this is why God does. He does things in an unusual ways. So we'll look to him and give him credit. So bringing us back to the story. We're looking at the widow, but you also have to look at it in the larger context. And I've tried to talk about that, of why was Elijah here in the first place? There's this warring going on between God and Baal. And listen, if we have a problem with idol worship, Baal worship, worship of self, worship of social media or the media in general, Eventually, God will send a drought. Eventually, God will force us to choose, force us to deal with it. And sometimes that can be a very painful process. He always is bringing restoration, but his process of bringing us through that restoration sometimes is quite painful. But be encouraged, friend. Be encouraged. God is for your restoration, and he's for the restoration of this nation. But we have to choose him first. He comes first. And he will not share his glory. He will not do that. You cannot worship Baal and God. Eventually, he'll bring it to a point of conflict where you cannot do that anymore. You have to choose him or you have to choose idols. You can't have it both ways. So I encourage you today, do not be disheartened 
by the news media and whatever's happening in the world because God has it under control. He knows what he's doing. He is bringing about the restoration of this nation. He's just not doing it the way we would. (laughs) He never does. He does it his way, which is always a little bit different. It's unusual sometimes. But he forces us to deal with our issues and our idols. He forces us to do that, bringing us back to him on our faces in repentance. We get to choose. Are we going to worship the world? Are we going to worship status? Are we going to worship politics or business or money or whatever it is? Are we going to worship him? Are we going to be Baal worshipers like Jezebel? Or are we going to worship Yahweh like Elijah? See, we get to choose. We get to choose. Sometimes God has to shake us to wake us up, to get us to realize all the idols we're carrying around. It's totally not necessary. Simplify your life. Make a choice. God comes first. Because I promise you, if we don't do that, we're going to end up in Elijah land, so to speak. We're going to end up there. And we're going to end up in this conflict where God forces us to choose. Forces us to choose. So be encouraged, friend. Don't let the wickedness of the world get you down. God has got it under control. However, however, take everything to him. He comes first. He comes first. And as God shakes our nation, let that be a wake-up call. To put God first and put away the idols of self.